Hi, it's Mimi. <laughs> and hey, it's Keegan. And this is Earworms. A podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is just Earworms. You know it. You love it. Uh, we got some stuff to talk about this week. Before that, though, update in life. Uh, school semester started. That's stressful. <laughs> It's Biology's kicking both of our butts. It but we, immediately made us drop our hours at work. <laughs> yeah, but we got a new dog, so everything is a-okay. Her name is Toads. She doesn't really make noise, but I'll see if I can get her to like sniff into the mic. Nah. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, I think you heard our fish tank in the background there. Yeah, but Toads is an old, old, sweet dog who you grew up with, right? Yeah, she's my childhood dog. She is... Twelve. We got her back in 2012, so I was 12. Um, and then, yeah, we just became buds. Um, we had another dog at the time. He's sadly passed away back in 2018. Um, but her and I, I wouldn't necessarily call us friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. More like interfamily rivals. Um, because that's just the relationship we've always had. But she's a wonderful dog, and I'm happy to have her join our home. She's now... Our, we call her the grandma of the home since we have a young pug and he's one and he's rambunctious and she likes to sleep. Yeah, yeah that was a yeah, good little catching up. Hot totes. Yeah, she's just sitting here on my lap, everybody. Um, Let's see, but we do have some topics to talk about this week. Who is going first, me or you? Let's see, I have just a shorter segment for today, but it's something I really like. Uh, so would you like to start with the longer or the short thing? Uh, the good, bad, the ugly, the long, the short. Yeah, the long, the short, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, I want to talk about my thing because I'm excited about it. All right. So recently, Wizards of the Coast, a.k.a. the people who do like Magic the Gathering and Dungeons & Dragons, made a formal announcement for later this year of... 2022 in august they will be releasing a new updated addition to their published works the their books that they put out with like different planes and stuff like that um and different play styles of uh, the one they're putting out later this year in august is known as spell jammer and i uh am incredibly excited for this for a, a number of reasons firstly is because of course we're trying to figure out what our next campaign is going to be and how to get our TTRPG podcast up and going again with our friends and deciding what that's going to look like. But this one is hitting all the boxes from the more I've read about it uh, for Spelljammer because it's Dungeons and Dragons in space and it doesn't get better than that, I think. <laughs> really quick to clarify the TTRPG we had is the broad, the like I guess publishing name of this podcast of Friends from Far Away. Yes. We had about 10 episodes, the pandemic hit. If you want to listen to it, that'd be awesome. If you don't, we aren't making any more episodes. Like of that happened. current ar arc, podcast, season, whatever. We're going to call that season a pilot, I think. Um, and we're just going to revamp and just tell a new story with a couple of our friends and stuff who are able to. Uh, just life happened and we had to move on, but... Yeah, so Spelljammer is what I'm thinking of 
is what it's going to be uh, because, like I said, Dungeons and Dragons in space. Pretty cool, pretty choice, and this is actually an, a very old version of Dungeons and Dragons that is being remade for the modern 5th edition playstyle that now exists. So was it made for like the older editions or was it something that just like they spoke about but like they never actually released like the other season of Firefly that never happened? <laughs> <laughs> um I so from what I found is it existed towards the end of what was called Advanced Dungeons and Dragons which has since been renamed as... AP Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons for college. Craig. Well, AD&D. <laughs> um, but Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, we now know as Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition. So, pretty old. If the original came out in like the 70s. Uh, this one came out towards the end of 2nd Edition, just before 3rd Edition. Um, it was released in 1989. And it had everything you would want in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign with sword fights and sorcery, but with the added mechanics of cool steampunks and space flight and travel and stuff like that. Because what's cooler than flying in a rocket ship, flying on a spaceship that looks like an old-timey Navy galleon or animals or fish or etc, etc, etc. So basically it's like Treasure Planet, but D&D. Which, like I said, hits all the right marks for me of like what I would love to DM for you guys. Because that just sounds like an awesome time. But it wasn't just um, a cool setting that they had. This was Dungeons & Dragons' way of making canon a way for all the different universes to kind of exist. This was their in-universe example of how to get all the worlds tied together. So kind of like... Uh, the Marvel movies, how, like, at first they all kind of were, like, their own thing, except for, like, at the end of The Incredible Hulk, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark, like, made an appearance and is like, I hear you're trying to put together a team, and everyone was like, is this gonna be the Avengers someday? And, of course, it did. This was Dungeons & Dragons' way of doing, hey, you know Curse of Strahd that you like playing so much? Well, what if we told you you could go with your party, exist in the Curse of Strahd world for a little bit, and then get on a spaceship and fly to a different <laughs> world if you didn't like that anymore? Which, very cool. <laughs> and so just using the Marvel example, I can watch Iron Man and be fine and not have to know the rest. Is this like a system you can just play on its own, or do you have to use like a different campaign? Like, is this good solo off? I only want to play Space Jam. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, in the jam. If you, Space <laughs> Jam. Space Jam. If you want to... If you just want to play Spelljammer, you totally can do that. Though it is, it, from the looks of what I was finding of it, you can like pre-order it now. I'm going to once we get paid and figure out our financial stuff with school and things like that. Hey guys, school's expensive, but don't go get loans. It's a trap. Anyway. <laughs> um, or if you're getting loans, be educated about it first. Yes, be educated before, before that. It helps if you have some smart family members who know banking lingo and things like that. Don't be a dummy like me. Anyway, uh, Spelljammer is... What are you banging against a chair? <laughs> Sorry, our younger dog, the pug, we got him like, a huge rib. By the way, I was getting it from a bone seller. I thought the rib was going to be like the size of a pig rib, like maybe like five inches, like a rack of ribs you eat. No, this rib's like a foot big. It does not fit in his mouth, and he is now banging it against my chair. I think it's as long as he is. <laughs> it's a giant bone that he's 
been marching on for the past day and a half. Anyway, uh, Spelljammer can be played by itself, but it looks like it's going to be most effective to like just kind of let you tie into your already existing stories that you have with your friends and stuff like that if you wanted to suddenly introduce aliens into your classic fantasy setting. This is a way to do it without like trying to ruin the flow, if that makes sense. Yeah, without doing what in like, um, in literary terms, ah, I've had Critical Role's Vox Machina stuck in my head, but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, oh my goodness, it's gonna kill me. It means God from a machine. It's in Latin. It's like Ex Machina. I think that's what it's called. That thing when like a story just ends with something that you have no idea. Mm -hmm. Like this is like a way to not do that. Like make it be more flowy. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's to help with the flow. That's what Spelljammer is built for is to just kind of move things along. But if you don't already have a pre-existing world or anything like that, you can just make up a planet and just kind of play in space with pirates, which is a plus. And then it's called Duex Machina. I'm so du sorry. <laughs> I was not going to be able to hear you for the rest of this, but I didn't get that. Oh, you're good. Yeah. So like I said, it was released in 1989. It actually wasn't all received that well. Um, so really mean critic whose name I can't remember basically gave it only a two out of five, which was, I guess, a big deal. He was like a big shot reviewer or something like that. Gave it a two out of five because it had, in his words, like, really good concepts and really good ideas but it wasn't fully fleshed out like other existing DD books at the time were so it was because it is what it is it was to tie in between worlds and stuff like that as kind of filler to help expand the world of DD as it is currently uh and uh nowadays because wizards of the coast took over the company and now they're able to expand it a bit further um it looks like they're not only revamping it and re-releasing it for 5th edition, but they're releasing it with three books, one of which will be uh, include stuff for making characters, uh, with new backstories and classes to play as, or subclasses to play as. A second book being like a monster compendium, written as though from the perspective of like space Steve Irwin type figure who wants to get down and touch it, you know, mate? Look at her, ain't she a beaut? He says, looking at the terrifying space worm in front of him. And then the third and final book of this looks like it is going to be a pre-written like little campaign that you can do. It looks like it'll be set up for... Um, starting at level three until level eight for your oh, characters. Sick. So like, this has yet to release. So like, obviously, we only know about what they released. But would you say this is like beginner friendly? Like, if I want to be a DM, I can do this. Or is this more like a try doing your own campaign in that? Like, because it, yeah. it comes with the campaign. So do you think it would be easy to follow? Or um, I can't say because we don't have it yet. And was they release like a paragraph. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they released like a paragraph about it. Um, but Wizards of the Coast, I think, is generally very, if you're new to tabletop gaming, it is very straightforward and friendly to new players and new DMs. I would start with maybe just the core book first, if you are interested, just so you can get a grasp of normal mechanics. And then if once you've re read that, wait for some other people to maybe review it first. I'll probably do another episode of this or maybe you'll hear our podcast at that point in the future, but wait for other people maybe before jumping in and buying it because it is on pre-order right now, but it is still like 
65 bucks like that if you want a physical copy of the three books and everything uh but it's not just the physical copy of the books it also comes with a cool poster a map and a dm screen i believe monsters right Uh, is it a monster book it's it's a monster manual for for the space setting which is super cool and i'm excited about because it's in particular, Illithids, uh, Mind Flayers, um, not the ones from Stranger Things, but they're like dudes with tentacles for faces and stuff in the D&D current settings and stuff like that. They, they kind of t- look like the um, octopus guy in Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Yes, they do yeah. look like Davy Jones a lot. <laughs> and uh, their whole thing is always, uh, they came from the stars beyond and stuff like that. But this is like, what if we played a game? where they came from, which is always super cool. I'm actually glad you mentioned Davy Jones because a cool aspect of this world- Can you play as Davy Jones? You meet, I guess it's an optional character it looks like, but it looks like in older versions there was a Davy Jones-esque person be in charge of um, this world's equivalent of the Flying Dutchman, which is called, as the namesake of the series- Davidson Jonas. <laughs> no, no, no. Javidson <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no, it's called, uh, there's a big ship in the lore called the, the Spell Jammer, as in what this whole system is named after spell, the Spell Jammer world. There's a big ghost ship that looks like a manta ray, like a sea pancake- that just floats around in the abyss of space, seemingly doing mischievous things, and no one's really sure if it's real or not. And it's kind of like El Dorado meets the Flying Dutchman, because there's a city on this giant manta ray in, in the middle of space, which is super cool as a concept, and I'm excited to explore with you and our friends just to have fun with that. But that's my thing. You got any more questions for me about it? And so this is in no way related to the famous Looney Tunes and Michael Jordan Space Jam. No, no, it's Uh, not related to Space Jam. We're in the jam. Space Jam! Jam. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, one more thing. Uh, It does come up with a bunch of new, like, alien races for you to play as and stuff. And there is... like what? There's, like, some space elves, some cool hippo people... But I think there's one in particular you would like. These guys are called the Dowar, D-O-H-W-A-R. <gasps> they're penguins. They're like a, they're the um they're the penguins from Surf's Up. The one with the with the eyebrows, the orange eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah, they're little space penguins who are telekinetic. And if these guys were in the original second edition, so hopefully they bring a version of these guys to the fifth edition. Maybe they'll be a playable race. Maybe they'll just be a monster. Either way, they will be a fun addition to D and D, and I'm looking forward to it. But uh, that's all for my topic. What do you have for me this week? What's your earworm? All right, this isn't my earworm, but I did think it was an honorable mention since I did talk about sodas a few episodes ago. Mountain Dew released a new flavor of soda that, like, just personal opinion, not fact, I'm not the biggest fan of, um, but it's a Flaming Hot Cheeto Mountain Dew flavor. So it's, like, lime Flaming Hot, um, and whenever you drink it, the back of your mouth, like, it tastes like lime. Like, while you're drinking, if you just drink a can straight, it just tastes like lime. But when you're done, the, like, back of your throat just burns. Yeah. Can attest. Did that today in class. <laughs> I drank one, and I thought I was going to choke to death. Or less choke to death, more die because I co- was scared to cough out loud <laughs> for fear of people. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, um, I don't know if that flavor will still be, you know what, yeah, this episode should release next week, first week of May, 
or yeah. last week of April. Yeah, that episode. Sometime. Sh- that soda <laughs> should still be around. I um, you should try it at least once in your life. <laughs> I don't know if you should try it yeah. again after that. Uh, unfortunately, it is only in the big uh, like twelve pack. Or can. we've only seen it 24? in the twelve pack can. Twelve. Twelve. Twelve pack can. It tastes all right. It's a good gag gift, I think, for your, for friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely like if I had to make a nightmare meal in a sense, I think it would be a two-course meal, all right? Drink would be that drink. The first course would be like the hot Cheetos mac and cheese. And then the second course would be Takis released like a hot pocket. No, they released, um, yeah, they were like like mozzarella. like a, It's like a hot pocket, but it's small and square and it's cheese. And Takis released a thing of that. We tried it last year. Not very memorable, not the best, but I think I would definitely do that as like a gag thing to someone. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's gross. It's good and gross. Um, it's anyway. fantastic. <laughs> Anyways, but like sometimes when you know you have a bad taste in your mouth, something that people used to do was they would wash it out with soap. Which oh. brings us into our next thing. Today I'm going to be talking about soap. I love soap. Okay. <laughs> okay. I love being clean. Like I've come to. Th- I'm not like um. I'm not germaphobe? like. No. I, yeah, I'm not a germaphobe. I just I like anytime I feel stressed or anytime I feel sad or anytime I just feel I just like to go take a shower and just wash myself with some nice soap. Um, I am not ashamed. There's a Bath and Body Works scent called like Morning Champagne. If Bath and Body, if we ever get famous enough that Bath and Body Works listens to this, I need 12 of those bottles right <laughs> now. I have two in stock at my house because I love it. I'm obsessed with it. Um, when we clean the house for guests to come over, my number one thing is like, I'll, I'll like clean everything, but I'm like, okay, I need to put out a new soap bar for people. Um, so, my, yeah. so my parents came up recently and we had like these fancy soap bars, but they didn't look fun. So I replaced them with soap bars that looked like bunnies, which was fitting because it was like after Easter. Anyways, but like, I just, I love soap. It's nice. It's durable. You use it to wash your hands, your dishes. Where would we be without soap? We just had COVID. Like imagine how much worse that would have been. Without soap. soap. Yeah. Uh, not a fun thought. Yeah. Man, okay. So the fun soap that we got for your parents coming over is just what got you thinking about this. How old is soap? Well, that's a good <laughs> or like, what is the original soap? Yeah. you said your favorite, but like, what's the... I think soap, I think Dove. Default. Yeah. Really? I thought you'd think Dawn, because they washed the oil from those ducks. Oh, they did wash the oil from the ducks. And if it's good enough for the ducks, good enough for my dog. Yeah. We do use dog shampoo. We do use that when we clean It's just when we don't have any dog shampoo, we do use a little bit of Dawn. Not too much. Tiny Dawn. Probably like a teaspoon, just to... His feet smell like Doritos when he's stinky. What can I say? (laughs) I don't know why. Our our pug smells like Doritos constantly, and no other dog does that. And we don't know why, because we don't feed him Doritos. We don't let him eat human food. I've tried giving him a Dorito before, and he looked at me like I was insane. He was like, this is disgusting, Mom. Absolutely disgusting. That's how he talks. Yeah. That's how I think he talks. (laughs) Keegan has a different voice for him. We can pan over to that voice really quickly. (laughs) Well, now that we've just, what's it called, ear-bombed your headphones, (laughs) we can go into soap. Um... 
So it is just a shorter segment. Everything that I found was from cleaninginstitute.org. Um, there were a couple websites, but I don't know. I trust a .org a little bit more than I do a .net or a .com. Um, but so soap has dated around back to 2800 BC. Um, the Egyptians liked to keep themselves clean. So they used things like animal and vegetable oils. Um, to kind of like make soap. I was kind of like looking into it. Um, it looks like, yeah, back in the day, it was just kind of like fats that were used to make soaps and fats mixed with like lye or things like that to really kind of give you that soap, soapy mm -hmm. feel, that cleanliness. So the Egyptians used it. I thought that was really cool. That um, is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I like that like even back then, I I don't know if they, they, they had to have used it like we use it. At least for like their hands and stuff like that, probably for like Egyptian temples and stuff like that. But it's cool to think that like they have the thought at least of, hmm, cleanliness is nice, yeah. <laughs> like we do. And yeah, and so soap actually has a really interesting like, so there's not like a factual this is why soap is called soap type of thing, but one myth, for lack of a better term, is that soap was named after Mount Sapo. Um, back in Rome and it was like rain would wash down that mountain mixing it with animal fat and ashes and that would result in a clay mixture to make cleaning easier. Okay. Looking into Mount Sapo, I was like, oh, this is cool. There's actually no historical like documentation that that was a real mountain or anything. Okay. I was gonna say like, that's just, why is there so much animal fat <laughs> on a mountain? <laughs> Maybe, ooh. Maybe that was like a ye old, like Mount Sapo was like a ye olden time Bath and Body Works, right? Like it was just like <laughs> someone's like brand that was out there. And it maybe enough people knew about it that they were like, yeah, go to Mount Sapo. They got the best cleaning products in town. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I was like trying to find more about Mount Sapo because I was like, oh, how come I haven't heard about this in school? But like there was just no history, no documentation. One of the websites I looked at said it was like a hoax, but it's just a common history thing that a lot of people believe or just like the common i guess denominator for where the root of soap came from is from mount sapo and also sapo is latin for soap but i guess we wouldn't know that it's latin languages are weird right because like it might be latin for soap but how did they know what soap was oh man that could be its whole other episode it's like when you say a word 10 times in the mirror and suddenly that word doesn't make any sense to you yeah if you haven't done that before go stand in a mirror right after this episode Look yourself dead in the eye and say your name 10 times. It's not going to sound like your name. And if your reflection blinks, but you don't run, you're in terrible danger. Get out of there now. Ah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So let's kind of soap. Um, soap kind of fell in and out of fashion and history. Um, in the 17th century, it became an art in Italy, Spain, and France. They were kind of like the center areas of soap supply. Um, and they made their soap with oils, um, most commonly oils from like olive trees. Um, yeah. So that was the 17th century, but then back when like Rome fell and everything, um, bathing yourself wasn't that popular anymore. <laughs> but I thought like Roman bathhouses were like a big thing. Did they not actually, were bathhouses like a front for something? <laughs> Well, I wonder if we just maybe have our dates mixed up, right? Because like, okay. I personally can't tell you that much about history. Um, 
I'm just kind of going off of what I know from here, but it was... The fall of Rome was in 467 AD, so maybe you're thinking a little bit more in the future. Okay. Um, and so things were just a little bit unsanitary there for the Middle Ages. Kind of what contribute a lot to people being sick during the Black Death. Oh, The Black yeah. Death is the same as like the bubonic plague. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, Black so plague. I feel like that kind of checks out for that time of people weren't clean. That was kind of spread by rats. Yeah, that was the Dark Ages. People went, hey, you know all this cool science and medicine we have? currently let's get rid of it let's throw it away god will save us and only god (laughs) (laughs) yeah but don't worry while that side of the world was not doing well with their cleanliness japan during the middle ages they still kept their cleaning that was still very much a part of their customs it was common so like at least someone wasn't (laughs) dirty or filthy yeah um then in iceland i wasn't able to find if they were like bathing with soap but people would gather and like hot springs to, you know, kind of, like, cool off and clean off. And I don't know about y'all, but it's really cold where we live, and the idea of a hot spring is amazing and very relaxing. Yeah. We have one, like, probably an hour away. I think there's one, like, 30 minutes away. Like, Let's look into that, and maybe we'll do that this weekend. (laughs) Awesome. That sounds good. Yeah, and the English went back to making soap in the 12th century, And American colonies in the 1600s started kind of making soap a little bit more commercial, but it wasn't really seen as a profession. It was just kind of seen as a house chore. Um, I'm Mm. assuming it was probably something that the women did while the men were out like hunting, just because that does kind of fall in that same realm. But in the 17th century, that's when soap and bathing, that's like when it started becoming big in Europe and it started hitting wealthy, wealthier areas. And in the 19th century, there, wait. Yeah, in the 19th century, soap started becoming taxable. Oh. And it was heavily taxed. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Governments love taxing cleanliness products for some reason. Yeah. So naturally, the higher the taxes, the less people used it. And then I believe the government was like, hey, let's, um, let's not tax this. <laughs> So once the taxes were removed, it started becoming common again, and normal everyday yeah. people were able to use it. Um, and so that's just kind of like basic soaps, and then this kind of goes more into detergents. Um, the most famous person in like soap history is a guy named Nicolas Leblanc. Um, guess where he was from? Nicolas Leblanc? Is he from France? <laughs> How did you know that LeBlanc was from France? (laughs) Does he have a mustache? Is there Um, a photo? There's a photo. (gasps) He does not have a mustache. He's clean shaven. Ah. (laughs) He's clean shaven. (laughs) (laughs) Got them there. Woohoo! But in 1791, he, like, patented the process for making soap. Um, And it was... Basically, his process was like making soda ash from common salt, mm-hmm. and that soda ash was obtained from ashes, and was combined with fat to make salt. Okay, so uh, I mean to make soap. So fat and ashes, pretty good staple for all of history up to this point. Still for soap. When do we get away from that and start getting like because fat and ashes can't smell. 
the best. I mean, definitely probably good for cleaning you, yeah. but not the best smelling. So when do we get like the lavender, the honeysuckle, like the bath and body work type stuff, you know? Yeah, so he patented that back in like 1791 um, and America started growing with it in 1850. And it wasn't until 1916 that okay. <laughs> that's a long time there's a bit of a change there um no one before then was like hey you know this stuff that like makes us clean what if i don't want to smell like animal fat though what if i want to smell like flowers like, i wonder if it did smell like animal fat like combined with that did it just neutralize your sense but then if you sweat you're gonna smell like fat like this, bacon grease This or is something. just what I found from cleaninstitute.org. Okay. Thank you, cleaninstitute.org. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just kind of like that. And then during World War One and in World War Two, wars, shortages of things, there was a shortage of animal and vegetable fats. So then that's when a chemist decided to, like, synthesize the materials to make soap. Um, mm-hmm. So they just kind of used it. Like, made soap from chemicals, and that's kind of what was known as detergents, and that's oh. kind of how detergents came to be. That's about all I have, um, but that's just kind of the history of soap, and I love soap. I can do a quick check for you to see when the first scented soap was invented. Yeah, yeah, do that. Uh, I was also going to ask, the soap that that's just fat and ashes, would they also use that for, like, laundry and dishes and stuff like that in the olden times? I didn't look that much into it, but I guess it would be a safe assumption. Okay. Um, answering your question, it looks like yeah, the most first like fragrant soap was invented in seventh century when Arab chemists created rich varieties of perfume and colored soaps in both liquid and solid forms. That that sounds that sounds right, right and good. That, that checks out. A lot of because like that was a big thing I know of like the Middle East is like. A lot of, they've made a lot of cool stuff that we take for granted today that just kind of got whitewashed by history to yeah. be said, a white man did it instead, which is uncool, not true and stuff, but good for you mid-17th century Arab scientists who did that. Yeah. Anyway, anything else you got for me about soap? I'm not about soap, but today we got a new squash mallow. His name's Cortez. He's a little caterpillar. Yeah, Maybe I'll do an episode about squash mallows next. We'll see. Yeah, but if that's all you had, that's all I had, I guess that is going to do it for this week's episode of Earworms. Uh, thank you all for listening so much. Uh, like I said, we we are still trying to work out the specifics of upcoming role-playing games that we plan on uh, publicizing for you guys. I personally am working on a spooky horror podcast, just waiting on a couple of of last minute things on that before I start publishing those weekly as well. Um, but I do think uh, Earworms is now going to pretty standardly come out on Tuesdays. Tuesdays? Oh. Yes, Tuesdays are going to be the day that you all will be hearing this. Everyone there- has things to look forward to Monday. Work, paydays, Wednesdays, the middle of the week, Thursdays, closer to Friday. We're now giving you something to look forward on Tuesdays that isn't tacos if you don't like tacos. Yeah, <laughs> earworms on Tuesdays for the time being. Um, and uh, go ahead and let other people know about this. Um, if you think uh, one of the topics we're talking about are interesting and they would like it, go ahead and mention it to them and send them a link. Or if you just... Or if you think anything's interesting for us to talk about, our website does have an email that you can send things in. Yes, um, our website is uh, friends.com. 
ffa.com uh, that's again friends ffa.com where you can find uh, links to all of our shows as well as email us suggestions I think that's going to do it for now though from, from both um, Mimi and I until next time oh, I'm your co-host Mimi <laughs> <laughs> I'm your co-host Keegan until next time bye bye <laughs>